This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 132 with Sage B. Hobbs. Show notes for this episode can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 132. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day, because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. This episode of the Shameless Mom Academy is brought to you by Aptive. Aptive is an app that brings your workouts right into your earbuds by syncing the motivational guidance of a personal trainer with the perfect playlist to bring you an elevated on-demand audio fitness experience. Sage B. Hobbs is the author of Naked Communication. Sage spent more than 10 years in counseling, education, and community outreach. Her work has spanned diverse communities from public schools to a residential treatment program for teens. Her experiences range widely, including life transitions, personal empowerment, work-life balance, education, family dynamics, youth behavior, fertility struggles, cancer recovery, and more. So she's kind of been there, done that for a little bit of everything. When not geeking out on coaching and business development, Sage can be found playing in the mountains with her adorable children and her husband on her yoga mat or talking at length with a girlfriend. This conversation with Sage was so fun. We had not met each other prior to our conversation, prior to our interview. And within two minutes of having her on the call, I felt like we'd known each other for years. You're going to hear the connection throughout our conversation as we piggyback off of each other's thoughts. And it was so fun to just have an immediate connection with someone and really just feel so intrigued by her work and so connected to everything that she was doing and saying and thinking. And it was a really, really fun and transformative interview process for me. Sage is helping women show up a little bit more naked. So before you panic, know that naked communication will mean different things to different women, but embracing some of Sage's philosophies and practices will definitely empower you to be more strong, powerful, and capable in your conversations and in your connections every day. So listen in to hear Sage share what naked communication means and why you need more of it, why the goal of every interaction should be connection and how to make that happen, the power of mental flexibility and how to make it a bit of a game, the truth about forgiveness and why it's for you, not about the other person, the steps to a more powerful and productive apology, how to have one minute moments of courage that can transform your life and your conversations, how pushing yourself can actually alleviate anxiety and why aha moments are never truly aha moments. So we cover so many things here. This was really one of my favorite conversations. So I know you're going to love it too. You might want to listen more than once. You might want to take a few notes and be sure to share this episode. If you think it would be an inspiration to other women in your life, you can share the episode by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 132. That will give you a link right to our episode. And you can share that on social media or via email or however you like to share content, but that will help other women get this amazing information, this awesome interview in their hands so that they can glean some of the benefits as well. So let's go ahead and dive in with Sage B. Hobbs. Sage B. Hobbs, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm very happy to have you with us today. 
Thanks. I'm so excited to be here. This is going to be fun. I can tell from just our pre-interview chatter, we could have just chatted for like an hour before even doing the interview. So this is going to be a really good conversation. (laughs) Totally. 100%. (laughs) It's nice to meet people for the first time on Skype and be like, oh, we're already really good friends and we've known each other for seven and a half minutes. (laughs) I felt the exact same way before we got on the phone with our emails. I'm like, oh yeah, this is going to be good. (laughs) Oh yeah, I'm so glad. So tell us a little more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life and what you're really excited about right now. Okay. So, I mean, the dynamics of my personal professional, like, wow, that's a big question, right? I know. I know. (laughs) I've kind of freaked people out with that opening. (laughs) Like, woo. Well, it depends on the day and the moment and which member of my family you ask, but (laughs) I'm married 10 years this year and I have two kids, a four-year-old girl and a seven-year-old boy, and I run my own business. So it's all really intertwined for me, you know, my business is really like my heart's work. So it really isn't separate. And so it can get messy, you know, the dynamics can get a little messy in terms of making sure I am conscious of how I spend my time and where I'm putting my attention in any given moment and kind of carving out differentiated time for them, for my work, and then for my own personal well being. So it kind of is all kind of a dance in our household. Super psyched about so many things, but in this exact moment, I'm really excited because I'm heading off for a training in Las Vegas without my children or husband for the weekends with a group of really dynamic and interesting women to learn more about how to leverage my speaking platform in a more effective way for change. So I'm really excited to have a few days away and really learn and be with some other people who are up to really cool things. Oh, that's so cool. And that kind of stuff, like those opportunities light me up more than anything. It's like, first of all, it's like completely a vacation because you don't have to make anyone dinner or worry about doing anything on a certain timeline. And then you're learning and you just get to soak up like all the brilliance that is around you, which I think is so fun. Absolutely. 1000%. I mean, it's it's a bonus that it's going to be sunny and warm and it would be equally awesome (laughs) if it were, I don't know, Detroit. Or rainy Seattle. (laughs) Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I've been looking forward to this for a while. And I also think it's just so good to refuel as like as a mom in general and like refuel those other parts of me that are a whole woman versus just the pieces that are the everyday. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I find it interesting that you talk and openly admit that there's so much crossover in your personal and professional life, because I think that there's often a pull to, or some pressure to keep those things very separate. And the more and more I talk to mom entrepreneurs, the more I find that we can't separate them and we can't compartmentalize, even Mm -hmm. though there's a lot of like, do your work from 12 to two and then you pick up the kids from school and then you're like just mom from two to six. And like, I can't generally do that. So Mm -hmm. I think that's interesting that you're just like, it flows and it's a dance and it's not super, I'm sure that you have some specificity around work time and family time, but that there is a lot of crossover in how you live your personal and professional life together. Totally. You're absolutely right. Like I carve out pieces that are, you know, both my children right now are at school. You know, I carve out time where it's my time to work and to talk to clients and they're not talking to clients when they're running around and that kind of thing. But, you know, sometimes in the evenings or on the weekends are things that have to be attended to. And I just really try to not be on my phone all the time. Mm -hmm. That's like my number one thing so that they're not seeing me completely screen obsessed. But if I need to be, I am really clear, like, hey, this is how I'm building my dream. This is what's important to me. This is what helps our family have this kind of flexibility. And so I try to like also explain to them that I'm not just like, playing video games, which is what my seven-year-old boy would think, you know, would be the best thing to do on the phone, (laughs) but that I'm, you know, doing something that really supports my happiness and our well-being. And so that there's like an understanding behind it, but no, I have not fully dialed that in for sure. You know? Well, I also think your work, for me at least, and I'm guessing this is similar for you, I can't shut my mind off to the Shameless Mom Academy because what I talk about on the show is so much of what I live in my life. So like, if I'm wanting to be – like last week's episode was about being more kind to yourself. If I'm talking about being more kind to myself as my content for the show, I am very – real time practicing being more kind to myself and different in my personal life. And so there's also crossover there. And I know that so much of what you do with communication, relationships, freedom, all that, you talk about that in your work, but I'm sure you practice a lot of what you preach in your own life. And so you're constantly living your own content. Right. Exactly. It's really well said. Yeah. And you know, thank God for that really, right? If you're going to teach people, you should always be learning alongside them in some way, you know? So, so much of what I am talking about and writing about and, you know, Facebook living about or whatever are stories from my own experience where 
I'm a storyteller. And so every single day, there'll be an interaction that I have with some human in my life. Today, I was talking about the woman who waxes my eyebrows. <laughs> and but bringing it into a way that people can really relate to through my own experience. So absolutely, it's collapsed in a lot of ways. It really is. I mean, do I think it's important to be present and to be able to go on vacation and really be together or to completely shut down at dinner time? And yeah, I have my boundaries. But it is, it's really interwoven. And I think that's what makes this kind of work so exciting, right? Like, I really don't know why you'd ever work for yourself unless you absolutely loved what you were doing. <laughs> because yeah. there's so many pieces about it that are unpredictable, that are challenging, you know, and I came from a very stable previous career that was, I was a school counselor, I have a master's in counseling psychology, and I spent 10 years in the school system. And that, while any day could be crazy as the counselor in terms of what I was faced with, I knew exactly when I went there, exactly when I came home, you know, I knew what my pension plan was going to be. And Mm -hmm. everything was so stable in that way. And people thought I was absolutely crazy to leave that like crazy. They're like, are you what? Yeah. So you'd really, you really have to like in order to go into this dance of motherhood and entrepreneurship, like you got to be in it for some love. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. I was actually just talking with a coaching client this morning who's doing one of my mastermind groups and she was asking for some advice on changing directions in her professional life. And I specifically asked her, she gave me like three different options of like, these are three things I'm kind of interested in. And I was like, well, what's the thing you want to talk about a lot for like years to come? Because some of the couple of the ideas I was like, that sounds like maybe like a fun business model or maybe something that would be profitable. But do you want to talk about it for a long time, all the time? Right. I think that's a huge consideration. And that was advice that was given to me probably seven years ago. And that becomes a very delineating factor when you're like, oh, like this is the work I meant to do because I really want to talk about it a lot all the time. (laughs) Totally. Exactly. So what I finally got to was the only thing that's ever interested me for any real period of time, like has had sticking power or staying power is people. Like that's it. Like all I've ever found the most fascinating (laughs) is human behavior, human potential, why people behave the way they behave, why they interact the way they do, why some people seem to create lives that are amazing and others seem to be stuck in a perpetual sort of doomsday pattern. Like that has been my most consistent interest since childhood. So when it came to it, it was like, oh yeah, I'm always the one who wants to talk about, you know, problem solving relationship challenges, problem, you know, that's just what I do anyway. Right, right. (laughs) It's what I did anyway. It's why I went into counseling, you know, and then into coaching because that's what I love. My husband's a science teacher. Like he can geek out forever on plants and animals and things. And I'm like, "Eh, I mean, not so much. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me if you've ever done this. I used to go to Barnes and Noble after working. So I used to work at a psychiatric hospital. That was my first career. And I would go to Barnes and Noble sometimes at night and I would sit and read psychology and sociology books like without buying them because they were expensive. So I would like just sit there and read them because I was so fascinated by different things. And I remember like at one point calling my mom and like diagnosing like a family friend and being like, by the way, this person has blah, blah, blah. Like I just looked it up. I've totally diagnosed it. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm in Barnes and Noble. I can't afford to buy this book. But But I'm looking through the DSM, you know, right? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's like I could not get enough of that information. I remember my roommate being like, you're going to go to Barnes & Noble and what? I'm like, I'm just going to go read some psychology books. Right, well, it's fascinating. I mean, people, I, I'm with you. I'm 100% with you. And anybody like, you know, anybody who's been with somebody who's into that path, you know, has a lot of patience. <laughs> because, any, you know, like three years in my counseling master's program, or maybe it was two and a half, I don't remember exactly. You know, there was so much of that, like analyzing yeah. myself, analyzing others, questioning. And, you know, it's so incredibly rich. Yeah. So yes, I hear you 100% on that. I love that you did that. And I think that's so funny that we have that other commonality. I know. I know. Yeah. I actually mentioned that in the pre-interview that we have kind of a similar past. Yep. Mm -hmm. Hey there. I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. 
I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. So Mm -hmm. tell us about naked communication. What does that mean? And what is this? I know this is like your main mission right now, right? Yes. Yes, it is. I mean, it's one of many passions all the things people, as we've already addressed. But naked communication, well, naked communication, the term itself was born out of this wonderful conversation with my husband on a 5,000-mile road trip. All the moms listening will appreciate wow. that. We took our kids on a 5,000-mile road trip for about five summers in a row. Woo! Oh, and this year we're retiring it. <laughs> was it like all around the country then? We would go from Colorado, where we live, beautiful Colorado, and we would drive through the Midwest and visit some of his family there and then make our way to New England, some of my family down the East Coast a bit, end up at the Jersey Shore and circle back around. And we'd always add in something we hadn't done before, but okay. that was kind of the loop. And it was awesome, but wow. it is time to fly. We're flying this year. <laughs> So somewhere in the middle of the cornfields, thousands of miles in last summer, I was already writing my book and I could not come up with a title. I'd like all the outline and lots of the content. And I was just really struggling with what was going to be the thing that spoke to what I was trying to express in a way that was true to my personality. And my husband was, you know, listening to hours of this. And finally he said, I think it's naked. I think what you're talking about is being naked. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's it. Because what the idea is, is, I mean, it's about clean, clear, compassionate, and ultimately really courageous communication with the people in your life, in all sectors of your life, your professional, personal, day-to-day human interactions. That really is about peeling back the layers, getting naked, peeling back the layers of our conditioning, of the way that we've been having patterns of behavior and expression in our lives and really looking at, well, which are working for us and which are not. Mm -hmm. And that I think is the heart of it all. I guess ultimately, I truly believe that what people want more than anything else is to have loved deeply and to have been deeply loved. Like in their final hours, that's what they care about. And I've been really privileged and blessed to have traveled to like, I think nearly around 20 countries now. And all walks of life and different socioeconomic backgrounds and in the school systems that I've worked in, different kids and families and everybody wants to be connected. They don't want to be alone. They don't want to feel isolated. You know, they want to feel seen and understood. So naked was about like, how do we do that better? We're not really taught how to do that. We're taught a lot of things, but we're not really taught how do we, you know, forge connection through our conversations and our daily interactions. So that's what it's about. And I think that for women, especially, we are much more often encouraged to be like helpful and be people pleasers and like bend to other people's needs. And so I think communication for women can be like completely the opposite of naked. <laughs> like, yeah, we 100%. just keep on a lot of layers because we're like, okay, sure, if you need that, I'll do that. No problem. I got it. And then either you're like dying inside or you're like, because you're sad or you're angry and resentful. Right. Exactly. You've totally nailed it. And Also, women, I think this is really what I love about your work is that we forget who we are. It's like we lose ourselves. And I have a four-year-old daughter who is fierce. She is just wild. I love her. She's hilarious (laughs) to parent. And I'm like, I'm not going to suppress that, you know? And I was really that way. I'm grateful, so grateful that my parents didn't do a whole lot of, you know, sweep it under the rug, wait your turn, put everybody first. I was kind of allowed to be wild. My dad used to call me Sage the Rage. And (laughs) I didn't realize until like, as I grew up, there were times where I got boxed in more and more, right? Because women who speak up often 
get silenced right. in some way. And so I had to evolve along with my own growing up experience to not completely quiet that stage the rage inside. So it's hard. It's hard because we all, honestly, everybody wants to be liked and, and doesn't want to look bad, right. <laughs> you right. know? And you're absolutely right that I think women even more than men feel that way. And so it can feel really scary to be real and authentic. I mean, as simple as just saying no, how many podcasts and blogs are written about how hard it is, particularly for women to just say no, when they want to decline a request. I mean, it's just, we lose sight of how to show up and naked is about going back to, if you talk to any two-year-old, your listeners, I mean, <laughs> they will tell you what they want and don't want. Right. And they know. I think that oftentimes, yeah. I think women, we don't even, like you said, the loss of identity, we don't even yeah. know anymore. I have this constant issue, like trying to make a plan with a group of women and everyone's like, well, I don't care what we do. We can go anywhere. It's like no one wants to be the person to take charge or be the leader or be the bossy one or like actually have their opinion. And I think sometimes it's people trying to be nice. And then I think it's literally is sometimes that people really don't even have an opinion because for so long you have been like, no, you make the decision. No, you take care of it. I'll do whatever you want. Like, it's okay. So we literally don't even know. I mean, if you ask a mom what their hobbies are, they're like, first of all, I don't have time for hobbies. And if I were to have time, I couldn't even begin to think of what I would want to do. Right. And that drives me nuts and breaks my heart. Right. Really. Like, I just feel like, are you kidding me? Like you are a full woman, you know? I don't say, are you kidding me in a blaming kind of way? I can exactly see how it happens. You know, I have two kids of my own, but I really feel like beyond ourselves, like the world is missing out. The world is missing out. If women are forgetting who they are and too fearful or uncomfortable to really show up, like we are doing ourselves a disservice because there's genius that's being lost, you know? So talk about how naked communication can help us improve relationships and contribute to more freedom and more fulfillment in our lives. The freedom and fulfillment that we don't even know that we want because we don't even know that we're missing it. Right, right. Although, you know what? (laughs) One real conversation with a mom who's overwhelmed, if they trust you, like one, they'll start to, they know, you know what I mean? In their hearts, there's something like something that they're longing for, yearning for, itching for that they miss, you know, but takes sometimes like digging in a little bit, but I think most of us have like a little whisper, you know, about what's there to be had more of or changed or shifted in some way. So naked communication, how does it help? Again, big questions you're asking me, Sarah, but (laughs) just save the world. I mean, you have, we have a half an hour left at a time, right? Exactly. It's left to save the world. No pressure. (laughs) Well, I mean, from the world perspective, really imagine what it would be like if every human interaction had connection as the primary goal, right? It would be transformative if we were less attached to being right and holding our point of view and more committed to being happy or generous or compassionate. Human interactions would literally shift in all kinds of ways from the microcosms of our homes. So from our marriages, like our partnerships, our romantic relationships, to how we parent, what kind of examples we set for our kids to how we show up in a professional context, what we ask for at work, what we contribute in terms of our ideas, all of it, our creative contributions in the world. And so naked communication, it's like in the book, I really actually make it applicable. There's tons of stories woven in from my own personal experience and client experiences, because I know that that's how we connect and relate with how to grow is to know that we're not alone and other people struggle through this super messy experience. I mean, it's like super messy to be human. (laughs) We're like out there bouncing up against each other, trying our best to have intimacy and connection and love and affinity while not losing ourselves and maintaining our own power and our own voice. You know, it's messy. It's really messy. Yeah. Yeah. And so it starts with, you know, the bare bones of it starts with really getting what you and I've been talking about, getting clear about how we already show up right? Are we assertive or are we passive? Are we demonstrative or are we withholding? Mm. You know, are we confident or are we afraid? And so the process really begins with observing how we show up. When do we bite our tongues when we know that we have something to say? Is it in certain contexts or is it with certain people? And just really like observing how we're already doing it because we're already doing it all the time. Right. Like even if you're really quiet, you're communicating something in that silence. Mm-hmm. So you got to start there. And then there's really practical ways of how do you make requests? There's like a four part process for making requests that is more likely to get you a yes. You know, how do you apologize when you've really screwed up? There's more and less effective ways of 
resolving conflict. You know, it's mm-hmm. all part of how can we have people feel more connected to each other while not losing their own internal compass along the way. Right. I love the how to apologize. And I think the same token, perhaps the other side of it is how to not apologize for everything. Yes. Oh my gosh. (laughs) When you said how to apologize and I was like, oh my gosh, like right away that went off in my head because I think that we also over apologize like it's out of control. Women specifically, Mm -hmm. I think over apologize. Mm -hmm. I actually had someone sit down to a meal with me recently, like within two minutes say, oh, sorry, I have to do something really rude, but I have to go to the bathroom really quick. And I was like, you're like meeting one of your basic human needs right now and you're apologizing for it and telling me that it's rude. But this is how women are like, culturally, we apologize for everything. And so therefore, if I need to pee, I should probably preface it with an apology before I stand up. (laughs) Right. It's insane, you know? And so that's why I said to apologize when you've really screwed up. That was my qualifier because, you know, it really shouldn't be for mundane human behaviors. (laughs) It should be if you've done harm, you know? If you've inflicted harm and there's something you need to be responsible for in service of repairing a relationship. And can you go a little deeper with that and tell us some of your recommendations for that? Because I think that there's probably all of us have some sort of harm that we've consciously or unconsciously done in a relationship where we're like, how do I fix that? How can I, I mean, we might even not really want to take any responsibility for it, but like, what can that apology process look like? Yeah. Great question. And I love how you said that we might not even really want to take responsibility for it. So we have to, we have to all look at that piece, right? Are we more committed to the relationship than we are to being right? That's piece number one. Okay. Mm-hmm. So every conflict comes because both people think their point of view is the right one. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, you know, you can think of an example right now, anybody listening, the last argument you have with somebody you live with, <laughs> you're pretty sure <laughs> that never happens, <laughs> never happens. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So you're pretty sure that your point of view is the right one. You're like, no, but that's crazy. I'm right. You're wrong. And both people really feel that way. So either you can believe that everybody's right or nobody is, but most of the time it's perspective, right? There's something that happened, obviously. And let me just qualify this by saying, obviously there are certain extreme situations where we would agree that certain like war atrocities and abuse, never excusable. I'm not saying We should look at those for interpretation. But in our everyday human relationships, most of the time, our arguments stem from people not seeing things the same way and digging their heels in about their point of view, you know? So the first step is, can you play this game? And if you do this when you're not in a fight, even better, like to always be looking for all the different interpretations to any situation. How else could I interpret that? How else could I see that? How might that person have perceived that differently? Mm-hmm. If you can get mental flexibility down as a skill set, your conflicts resolve so much more quickly because you're much more able to see, oh, I can really understand how from his point of view, I was totally being a pain in the butt, you know, or I was being demanding or I was being nitpicky or I was being aggressive. I can see from his point of view with the history we've had, how he would interpret it that way. Right. Yeah. But you have to first have that mental flexibility where you're willing to conceive of the multitude interpretations for any one situation. If you even look at a family system with your own adult siblings, most of the time people have different interpretations of how their parents parented them. They came from the same family system, but they're like, oh, I don't remember it that way. Yes. That actually comes up on my mom. My mom has had told me about conversations that she's had with my aunts and my uncle about their interpretations of how they were parented. And it's fascinating. My mom is kind of like neutral on the whole thing, but some of her siblings have very strong feelings that are totally in conflict with each other. My mom's like, I don't understand how they see it so differently because we were all in the same place. Like, it's very interesting. Exactly. It's very interesting. And there's no way really to argue for who's right in that. That's in the past. You're not going to even be able to peel it back and see, you know what I mean? And how they experienced it is how they experience it. It's true for them. It's right for them, right? So the first thing is, can you see all those different points of view? The second is to recognize that forgiveness is really for your own freedom and liberation. I love that. You know, it really is. So I love how you said maybe you're not ready to apologize or maybe you're not ready to let it go or to forgive or to move on. Well, that's fine. Everybody does that in their own time and in their own way. But I'll tell you from my experience that it's like exhausting to feel pissed off. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I can feel that mm-hmm. in the way it drains my energy. And I would much rather just get back to it, get through it and come out on the other side. 
personally for myself, you know? Right. And so then thirdly, you want to own the parts that are yours and not the parts that weren't just like you just said. Super important distinction. (laughs) Yeah. Own the parts that were yours. I know in my household, I am the fiery one. I have the shortest fuse. I get irritated more quickly. This has been my whole life. And my patience is always my Achilles heel, you know? And so I have to really be responsible for the fact that I do that. So even if somebody legitimately did something that was, you know, I felt was thoughtless or disrespectful, I still need to own that I maybe flew off the handle a little bit more than was necessary. Right. <laughs> you know, right. so I can own that part. I'm super sorry to my son, let's say. I'm so sorry that I yelled at you before school this morning. I know you hate it when I yell at you. I know it never makes the situation any better. I'm really working on it. You know, I'm really trying to take those deep breaths that I teach you to take Mm -hmm. and remember to how I really want to talk to you. And this is how I felt. Boom, boom, boom. Not like you did this. It's a good old I statement. I felt this way when you did blank, blank, and blank. And then the last piece is to make a request. Like, what would you like it to be differently? We miss this piece all the time. So if you're having a recurring argument with your husband or your partner or your spouse, whatever, what can they do? What can you guys agree to that could be different the next time? I love that. Yeah. I'm taking notes here because these components are all so helpful. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to tell my husband, now, I'm going to be like, hold on. I have four steps now to make the perfect apology right. to you. <laughs> He'll appreciate it. I'm sure he's probably owed a couple and vice versa. (laughs) You're human like the rest of us. (laughs) Totally. Hey, mamas, just wanted to pop in and talk about today's sponsor for this episode, Aptiv. So Aptiv is an app that brings a personal trainer into your earbuds while you're working out through the Aptiv app. So I was on their app the other day reading reviews because I love stalking reviews. It's like one of my favorite pastimes. You've heard me talk about this before, how I stalk Amazon reviews. So I'm reading the reviews for Aptiv and I read about this introvert's love affair with Aptiv and I wanted to share some of it with you. She says, I'm not a group exercise person. I don't like working out with others and I don't like working one-on-one with a trainer. I find these experiences embarrassing and emotionally exhaustive. I'm an introvert and this app is an absolute godsend. I can go to the gym, select any class I want within the app and have a trainer in my ear coaching me through what seems like my very own personal training session, giving me tips on form and strength training without the hassle of group fitness. There are classes for literally every type of machine at the gym. So I get a crazy amount of variety in every week and I never get bored. The trainers are also magical people who know exactly what to say to keep me motivated without overdoing it. So I loved that. I know we have a lot of introverts and especially I think that motherhood sometimes makes you more introverted because you're so spent after spending time with your kids that you're like, I just want like introvert, quiet seclusion time. So this app is perfect for that. So if you're looking for a new tool to help you stay motivated and working out and give you some support in working out, go over to aptive.com. That's A-A-P-T-I-V and look at their library of workout resources. It is an endless, endless library of workout resources for any kind of workout you might want to add to your current fitness routine. Go to aptive.com. That's A-A-P-T-I-V.com and use the code SMA30 to get your free 30-day trial. So again, that's aptive, A-A-P-T-I-V.com and use the code SMA30 to start your free 30-day trial today. So how can we be better at having these hard conversations and why are the hard conversations really essential to our happiness and our well-being? Okay. Awesome. I love that question. I'm going to start with the why, because we don't do anything unless we understand why there's a reason to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. We're not Um, going to be motivated if it doesn't seem like there's going to be a good payoff. Exactly. So for me, the why about having, you know, better conversations is because we want to feel loved and connected with people in our lives. 100%. I don't think there's anyone I've ever met who doesn't feel that way from the most awkward 13 year olds in my office you know, to grown adult women who've been working on themselves in various ways for years. Like we want to feel love. We want to feel connection. Totally. Secondly, why is because if you look at it from a professional perspective or for your creative perspective, whatever legacy you want to create and leave in the world, it's going to be more easily expressed if you're showing up more authentically as yourself in your life, you know? Even me and you talking here today came because I have a relationship with somebody that you have a relationship with and that connection brought us together, right? It's so much of that is around human connections lead to greater success and happiness because that is where life is lived in relationship with other people. And then lastly, there's probably more than this, but the one that's coming to me right now that I feel is so important is, is that it's about not having regrets. 
for how we live our lives. You said earlier about resentment, you know, not fostering resentment because we didn't speak up. We didn't ask for what we wanted. We didn't love fully. Then, you know, things happened and we lost our chance or that regret piece. There's research that says, and I don't know where this came from. Maybe it was last regrets of the dying. I can't remember that basically people don't regret what they did do. They regret what they didn't do. Right. You know, they don't regret, oh, I made that mistake. They regret like, oh, I wish I had done A, B, or C. So for me, those courageous connections and conversations are about making sure you're not like leaving things on the table, you know, Mm -hmm. you're putting it out there. And so how you do that, the number one thing is courage. It's the number one thing, like one minute moments of courage. Um, Oh, I love the one minute one minute. You're like, I can be brave for one minute. I think I one minute. Exactly. Like I think people equate courage with like, that means you're going to go, you know, run into a burning building or some huge heroic act. When in fact, like every day you have opportunities where you can make more courageous choice. And that looks different to different people because people are scared of different things. So if you're super have a hard time asking for what you want, then your courageous act might be like returning your meal at a restaurant because it's not hot. You know what I mean? Literally, that might be terrifying to you. And that would be a great way to start practicing. On higher stakes, it's going to be, you know, your marriage is stagnant. Your sex life is dull. You're dissatisfied in your career or you're dissatisfied staying home. I mean, I know that a lot of moms feel like they should stay home and then that doesn't fulfill them fully and they feel bad about that, right? Then there's bigger courageous conversations with what do you need from your partner who do you need to talk to and network with in order to see what other possibilities or options are available to you? But they're really momentary decisions of courage, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That totally makes sense. And I think that I would imagine there's a big snowball effect when you start to be conscientious of one minute moments of courage. Yeah. Like just practicing. I I love the example of sending a meal back because that is something, I mean, you can imagine the person who apologizes for getting up to go to the bathroom is certainly not going to send a meal back. Exactly. So if you can be a self-advocate, like in any way, that's going to be so transformative over time. A hundred percent. And if you can just have the experience of feeling the courage in your body, those butterflies or the tightness in your throat or whatever it is, and then you realize that you can survive it, then guess what? Like, it's just like anything, you know, you're in the fitness profession as well. It's like a muscle, you know, the more that you use it, the easier the next time is and the next time is and the next time is. So I've been doing more and more public speaking. I think I just gave my 10th talk and I had done lots of speaking like inside of my previous career in the schools, Mm -hmm. but that was, I was already comfortable with that. That was like my own, I was in my zone there. And then I had stepped out and I was doing more speaking in different contexts and different trainings and you know, whatever. And I realized when I did the 10th one that it was like, I wasn't nervous really driving to the event. Nice. You know what I mean? I was like, and the first one, I remember so clearly, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> I'm going to throw I'm up so, and pee my pants. Exactly. exactly. I'm going to throw up on stage in front of everyone and be humiliated for life or whatever. So it really is a snowball effect, like you mentioned. And it really is the key to, I mean, real depth and connection. And I, I've been using parenting and spouse examples, but I just want to throw in here that this is really also for woman to woman friendships. Mm -hmm. I just keep meeting more and more women and a lot of moms who deeply want to have real and authentic, take the masks off, talk about their lives, friendships, girlfriends, you know, and that takes courage. Are you a Glennon Doyle Melton follower? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's cool. So when I read... She's brave. (laughs) Oh, she's... I love her. And I've talked about her multiple times on the podcast, but in her book carry on warrior. I remember one of the chapters opened up with her being at the park with her child and then another, like her child was having a play date. And so it was her and another mom overseeing the play date. And it was kind of this routine, like, how are you? How are you? And she's like, I show up to these things. And like, it's just this stupid thing where it's never me showing up. It's just me saying like, everything is great. And we went to church yesterday. And so the mom of Glennon's child's friend says, something like, how are you? And Glennon just basically like barfs on her like, well, so just in case you didn't know, like I'm a recovering drug addict and I was bulimic for 10 years. And she like just unleashes. I'm not really happy in my marriage. Like we never have sex. And it just goes on and on and on. And then the other woman was like, 
it took her a minute to process. And I can't remember if it was in the same conversation or the next time they saw each other, but she opens up then about how she's in an abusive relationship. And so like they both Mm -hmm. took their masks off, but it was of course the way she wrote it. Like you are laughing through the whole thing, but it's so true because when people say, how are you? Like no one really wants to hear that. Like you're a recovering addict and today really sucks, (laughs) but that's what you're thinking. (laughs) That's right. Exactly. I love that about her. Yep. She talks about sending out her representative for all those years, just represent her her pretty little life. Yeah. And you know, what's funny is I've kind of sucked at having a representative. I'm not that good at it. (laughs) And so I tend to wear whatever that expression is, wear everything on my sleeve. Yeah. That's me too. (laughs) And so, you know, everything, you know, greatest attribute, greatest detriment or whatever, greatest weakness, greatest challenge, whatever it is, it has served me in really, really beautiful ways because I show up mostly as myself. And sometimes I have those, if you're a lover of dirty dancing, I call it, I carried a watermelon moments, you know, where she goes into <laughs> yes. really into the sexy dance hall where everybody's working and she carried the watermelon. She meets Patrick Swayze for the first time. And he's like, what are you doing here? And she's like, I carried a watermelon. And then he walks away and she's like, I carried a watermelon. <laughs> So, you know, if you show up very real, you're going to have those moments where you're like, ooh, I just maybe like came on too much or too loud or whatever. But I'd rather live that way, fully self-express, you know, than constantly sending out my representative. And it's messy. Like I said, I think all of this work is messy. I really Mm -hmm. do because it's a human experience. And I don't like to look bad just like anybody else doesn't, you know, just like everybody else. Right, right. (laughs) So sometimes I've wanted to pull my words back in. But I'd still choose to have the depth of real and open and honest and true friendships that I have. Mm -hmm. And it took us saying our truth, you know, saying what's really going on for us in our lives, just like she did on the schoolyard that day. She barfed all over that woman. And and she maybe saved that woman in a huge way by doing that. Right, right. I think when you step forward with your true self and present your insecurities as insecurities or your Mm -hmm. imperfections as imperfections, then it takes them off the table. Like there's nothing for anyone to like discover to make you feel vulnerable or to make you like, it's just all out there. And I talk about this a lot with my gym members and I talk about on the podcast for various things, but I talk about it with gym members in terms of like, if you're extremely self-conscious about being overweight, but you never talk about it with anyone, like it's an elephant in the room. Like you're going to struggle in your relationships because you're not talking about the thing that makes you most uncomfortable in life. Just Mm -hmm. like on the podcast, I've talked a lot about our infertility journey and it's something that like I hit it, kept it very quiet when we were trying to get pregnant with my son. That was torture. It's just not the way, like I'm not a quiet hidden person. Mm -hmm. So then when we tried to get pregnant about a year ago, we went through IVF. I was like, I just need to talk about this. Like as we're doing it, I need to give the play by play and you know, we'll see what happens. It ended up not being successful. And that was a thing that I shared as we went through it. But that for me was like, I can't keep all these things super secretive and I can't show up and like come to a podcast and be like, Hey guys, I want to tell you how to live a happier life. But by the way, IVF failed yesterday. So I'm just going to fake it about how awesome everything is. Right. Exactly. That's just, I just couldn't do it. So the podcast was all around IVF for a few months. And I'm going to bet that many people reached out to you about that. Oh yeah. You know, it's interesting. So yeah, I got a lot of amazing feedback and I actually still get feedback because there's people that come to the podcast and listen back at that stuff now because Mm -hmm. they want to hear the backstory. So I continue to get great feedback on it, but I actually had a business coach recently and this was totally random, but as an example of like how to, of, on oversharing, she's like, you know, I have a family member who's going through IVF right now and she's just posting it all over Facebook. And she's like, you know, if that's going on in your life, like maybe you want to wait till after it's over with to really, you know, share the whole thing. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, or not. Right. <laughs> I was like putting pictures of my shots on Instagram. <laughs> and I think that's a personality thing. And I think that like, I don't at all think that my way is the only way or the right way. But for me, it was taking this thing that had become really, it was like the overriding theme in my life that if I kept it a secret, I would have been a disaster and I would not have been able to show up in my life for other people in support of other women the way that I really want to. And so I just had to put like kind of the biggest, most vulnerable thing in my life out there for everyone. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. 
you get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Yes, I think, first of all, I think that's beautiful. And I think it's just like our naked bodies all look different, our physical naked bodies, like our own experiences of naked are different too. So for you, you did what needed to be done for you to be well and whole and authentic and real. Other women that wouldn't have been as necessary for them. And that's fine as long as that's whole and real for them. So I just want to make that distinction, right? Like we get to decide what our vision or version, I should say, of naked is in terms of how we show up and what is real and true to us, you know, and that is the courageous act. And that courage probably evolves over time. You know, like I said, when we went through infertility the first time, I was not putting things up on Facebook about it. I was like sitting at home crying by myself thinking no one in the world knew how horrible this was. And so it took a lot of different things for me to be in a place to be like, I want to and need to talk about this. And so I totally think that it's a personality thing, but it's also an evolution kind of a thing that like some people at different stages of your life, like there's things that you need to hold closer to your heart. And then maybe there's other things that you feel, you know, more comfortable sharing or feel a need to share for different reasons. And I think that honoring that is super important. It's huge. And I love what you just said. It's an evolution over time. And the good news here, everyone, is that courage can be learned. (laughs) Having great relationships can be learned. You can learn how to communicate that. You really can. (laughs) And so to me, that's really hopeful, right? Like you can choose to do your life however you choose to do your life, but there are skills that are, I think some people think, oh, you're just confident or you are just creative. You either are that way or you're not. And I don't really buy into that. I think that you can cultivate your courage and you can cultivate your self-expression and you can cultivate your communication mastery, you know? Totally. So that is the win. And I just have to say, Sarah, yet again, another connection between us, which is that we had did IVF as well. It's a use fertility for both my kids. Oh, <laughs> so I feel you on that. Oh my gosh. It's, it's and grueling. I think it's, yeah. And I think it's, you know, there's a lot of women who've been through that. Yes. So I think it's beautiful that you yeah. opened your heart in that way. I want to thank you very much for that. I really appreciate that. And I appreciate you sharing your experience with that. One thing that came to mind with everything you just said about courage and having that evolve over time is in our pre-interview where we were talking about, and I told you I was going to work this in if I could, (laughs) talking about being uh, strong, powerful, and capable. And I think that when you do those little things and it's like one minute at a time, one little action at a time, like just practicing a little bit here and there, that's what causes the evolution. But what happens in there is that you feel that moment of power and you feel that moment of being strong and you feel for just a moment, you feel more capable than you normally feel. And that's where the beauty is. And I think that when you have those moments, then that's so reinforcing where you're like, oh, that felt really good to be powerful for a minute rather than being like dismissive or small or quiet or any of those things. And so that's where I think that evolution takes place. And that's where I think the beauty of the one minute moment is so powerful because you get to, for that moment, you get to have that strength and that power that will really build momentum in the long run. Yes. Yes, yes, yes perfect analogy for how it all comes back together. And the more you do it, the more capable you feel. Right. You know, I really don't think transformation happens in like just the aha moments. There's sort of this thing out there that in personal development or personal growth or whatever that you have a big, oh my gosh, I had an epiphany and then everything has changed. And I think you can have many epiphanies (laughs) and you still have to practice and do the work and take action and create momentum in order for any transformation to stick. I say that in the book all the time that, you know, inspiration without participation just doesn't get you the results that you want. You can be inspired to go to the gym, (laughs) right? But if you don't go to the gym, you're not going to, you know, feel that surge of power and strength and capability that you're speaking of. Same thing with transformation and your relationships. If you can think all the time in the world about how 
you wish you could improve the intimacy with your partner if you don't have one conversation about it. Right. It's not going to work. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't work. I love what you said about aha moments because I think aha moments, to me, they're generally not aha moments or it's not an aha moment until like way after the fact. And then you look back and you're like, oh, that's where everything changed. That's where it all clicked. That's where like I decided to start moving in a different direction. I don't think when we're in those moments, we can identify them. I think you have to be past those moments. And when I look at things that were really pivotal, like for years I've talked about one of the most powerful moments in my life was the first time I did a half marathon. And when I actually did that half marathon, I got to the end and I was like, wow, that was crazy, whatever. But like, I was thinking about like going and getting a Slurpee and it took me probably (laughs) three years or more to identify that as a pivotal moment. But it was huge. Like when I looked back, I could see how that accomplishment triggered all these other things in my life to change. Yeah. Yeah, but at the time yeah. I couldn't, I wasn't like, well, now that I did that, I'm going to go ahead and change careers and I'm going to go find a boyfriend. Like, but that's literally what it ultimately did, but I couldn't <laughs> recognize it in the moment. Right. I love that. I totally love that. Yeah. yeah. Tell us a little bit about fear and anxiety in your life and how you manage this and don't let it run away without you. Another big question. <laughs> I know. So. Well, and I had to bring it up because anxiety specifically has come up multiple times on the show and I've interviewed multiple people who've shared. And it's something that I've talked a lot about. Like I've had anxiety as a roller coaster for me for sure. Mm-hmm. And sometimes contributes to insomnia, which then makes the anxiety worse. And so, yeah. Um, so it's definitely something I'm always self-managing. And I know there's also people that are managing it's much, it's beyond self-management. Some people have to manage it through medication. And so, in which there's nothing wrong with, and I just want to make sure that we're really clear about there's different routes to treat it. But I always love to hear how other women are working with their anxiety and their fear. Totally. I love it. I have struggled with anxiety all of my life. And most people who don't know me really well are very surprised to hear that. It's just not what I look like on the outside. You know, it looks like I'm courageous and I'm doing cool things and traveling and whatever. Right. And I have been scared really most of my Mm. life and what that looks like for me. I mean, it's actually been kind of a ride of different ways of presenting itself, you know, where it really came to a head was when I was 23, I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a lymphatic Mm. cancer. And I have been, you know, healthy. I just returned from Africa, which had been a lifelong dream. I had my first dream job working in inner city Philadelphia public schools. I was going to transform the world. You know, I thought I had all the time in the world. At 23, you really think you're pretty invincible. Totally. And I handled that with a lot of courage and went and did what I needed to do. And people kept saying, you're so brave. And I was like, I'm not brave. I'm just doing what I have to do. Like, this is just what I have to do. I have to do chemo. I have to do radiation. You know, I'm going to shave my head. And, And to your point, in hindsight about the aha moments, I can see how unbelievably courageous I really was actually and how much grace I brought to it and how I didn't go into poor me and how I walked around bald and didn't wear the $700 wig my mother had bought for me. You know, I just, (laughs) I can see how I really showed up courageously, but I didn't in the moment, I wasn't able to take in the compliment. I wasn't able to receive that acknowledgement. After that, I moved to Colorado, which was again, I've taken lots of steps just to not let the fear be the thing that makes my decisions. Like I really try and be like, if there's something I really want, I'm doing it even though I'm scared. So I wanted to move to Colorado. I wanted to go to Africa. And when I got here 15 years ago, thinking I was coming for a year, (laughs) I had a job at a coffee shop. I like left my career and I got this sort of, you know, temporary thing so I could really regroup and reground and figure out what I wanted to do. And what happened was I was at this coffee shop one day serving the customers. I actually loved being a barista. I loved talking to people. It's all about relationships, you know? And I'm standing there and I'm the only one working. And all of a sudden I felt like I was going to pass out. I thought I was going to die. Like cold came over me, clammy, you know, heart racing. I ran, I had to excuse myself from the counter and I ran to the bathroom. And what was happening was having a major panic attack. Wow. And I then had major panic attacks for several months And it was the aftermath of cancer. I couldn't reground into the fact that I was safe. Like I just kept feeling like I could die. And then I was scared everybody I loved would die. And I just kept having these panic attacks. It's like like post-traumatic stress. Yes. There was some component of that for sure. You know, I was used to being this independent, brave spirit. Then I was ashamed. Here's Shameless Mom podcast. (laughs) I felt ashamed, you know, ashamed of 
the panic didn't seem to have a reason, you know, it was irrational. So I went through many things to get myself to a place where I can sort of dance with that anxiety. I no longer, I don't think I've had a panic attack in, I mean, I don't remember the last time I've had a panic attack. I really don't remember the last time I had a panic attack. I know that there are certain things though that still raise my anxiety right to my face, like right in front of my face. And that I just have built a ton of strategies and tools to get out of my head and move through it. Because I know that if I didn't, I literally would like not do anything I love to do. I really wouldn't. I mean, I get scared. My husband loves to snowboard. I will have like anxiety flash ups of he's going to have a snowboarding accident. You know, he's fast. He goes fast. We live in Colorado. He goes through the trees. You know what I mean? And I realized when we had kids that I got like scared, I started getting scared of him going snowboarding. Well, I'm not going to stop him from doing something he loves. He would never stop me from doing something I love. So I have to manage it so that I can experience a really great life. You know, if I let anxiety stop me, I might not even be leaving my kids this weekend for four nights because I'd be worried that something was going to happen and I wouldn't be right here to take care of it. So I guess how I currently manage it is choice, literally just choosing moment to moment. I guess it goes back to one minute courage, (laughs) you know, honestly, like moment to moment that I will not let that be what drives my life. Mm -hmm. I think I literally put myself into situations that make me walk to my edge in order to keep exercising that muscle that reminds me that I'm strong and I'm brave and I'm capable. Oh, that's, you know? that's so good. I totally agree. And I think that's such a powerful point that you challenge yourself to do things that scare you so that you can prove to yourself that you can do them. Yeah. I mean, within reason, right? I'm right, also, right. and I think it's important to say that because that doesn't mean I'm skydiving or I'm taking my kids, you know, on a backpacking trip through sub-Saharan Africa or, you know, like, I don't have to prove it to myself just for the sake of proving it to myself, but for the things that I really want to do, I do need to prove it to myself because I don't want to have regrets. I don't want to live feeling shackled by fear. I just refuse to live that way. Are you familiar with Chris Ducker? No, I'm not familiar with Chris Ducker. So Chris Ducker works with online entrepreneurs and I went to an event of his in the Philippines two months ago, which was phenomenal, but it involved me going to the Philippines by myself for a week. And when I signed up, I was so excited about it. And then shortly after the excitement wore off, I was like, oh my gosh, am I being responsible? Like I'm going around the world without my family. Like what if something happens? What if I freak out on, I'm not scared of flying, but what if I do freak out on this plane because I'm on it for like 14 hours for my big flight? And then also there's ISIS in the Philippines, by the way. So, so I'm like, emailing, all, your, all your brain is going, ding, 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 totally. Right. I'm like emailing the event coordinator and I'm like, just FYI, I've heard that there's ISIS in the Philippines. And I'm just wondering like what kind of security precautions oh are going to And I'm like, I'm sure no one else emailed them about ISIS in the Philippines. <laughs> I love that my husband so was like, I think you're going to be okay. A friend of mine, a good friend who's a lawyer, she was like, well, why don't you look up the State Department recommendations? So I do that. And of course, there's like... Bad the, idea. Terrible yeah, no, idea. It was not. So then I'm like sending the event coordinator the link to the State Department stuff that's like, yes, there is ISIS, but it's in the Southern region. And we just kind of went on and on. And I finally had to be like... I'm not a bad mom because I'm going to the Philippines. And it sounds funny in hindsight, but I think it can be common for your mind to go to these places where you have these doubts, but also you are like, I can't let this be the thing that stops me. But I got to the point where I was like, I just want this trip to be over with because now I'm terrified. And it turned into something that I was so excited about that I could actually swing the whole thing. And then it immediately went from like excitement to, oh my gosh, is this like fatal flaw that I will make for my life? And I'll, you know, my family will be broken apart. Right. And your brain can go there in a split second. So fast. It can go there so fast. And I have a very overactive brain. (laughs) I really, really do. And you know what? There are times when that's an incredible asset. I think most people who have anxiety that I've encountered, and I've encountered a lot because I think I draw them in. (laughs) But every time I've met them, they're bright and creative and passionate people. Their brains are firing like on extra fast cylinders, you know? And so it's really about Basically, we're gifted. We're gifted. Exactly. We are. It's our superpower. Totally. Totally. (laughs) But, you know, honestly, there are things you can do. For me, getting out in nature is like number one, 100%. If I feel my anxiety mounting, I get lucky enough to live across the street from hiking. Like literally, boom, I'm out there. I'm talking 30 minutes. I'm not some exercise nut. It's just breathing in the fresh air and feeling like 
closer to something that's simple, getting enough sleep and also calling my people. Like I call the people who bring me back out of my crazy thoughts into reality. And it's really helpful. They'll be like, Sage, this is your, you know, you're committed to something bigger than this. Basically, I need to be called back into my bigger vision. And it's really a choice in that moment. I love how you said that either I'm going to go or not go is ultimately you got to the point where it's either I'm going to go or I'm not going to go. Right. I mean, luckily I put a decent amount of money on the line. So I was like, I guess I'm going to go. I'm not going to waste this money. But that was a courageous act because you know what? Some people wouldn't. Yeah. No. Yeah. You're right. You're right. They really wouldn't. So that's, I mean, I don't know if that answers exactly how I manage it, but I really feel like I manage it in moment to moment, choice to choice and increasing my capacity by practicing. Yeah. No, I love that. I think that's such a great tip. And maybe something that people don't even realize that they're doing sometimes is that like in taking the opportunity to be bold and brave in little momentary things that that's how you're proving to yourself that you can do it down the road to alleviate the fear when it shows up again. Exactly. Beautifully said. So I know we have just a couple minutes left. I have one more question for you before we go into our lightning round. Before we go to our final question, where can we find you and where can we find your book, Naked Communication? Great. You can get the book on Amazon. It's the easiest way. Good old international Amazon. And you can find me at sagebhobs.com. B as in, let's say, badass, because that's more fun than boy. (laughs) Sagebhobs.com. And on there, you can also get free chapters to the book. And there's a great free download. This one, I think we didn't get into this, but I actually created something around how to ask for what you want and get it. Because I do feel like women really struggle to make requests and that requests are like the most powerful way to getting closer to having a life you love. So the ask formula is available as well. And you can find me on Facebook and Instagram, you know, the usual places as well. Great. So I will have all of the links that Sage just mentioned will be up on the show notes. So if you go to shamelessmom.com, click on episode 132, and everything will be posted there as well if you missed any of those links. And I love that handout. I think that's a really awesome. We'll have to come back and talk just about that for an hour. I know. It's one of my favorite topics. <laughs> so tell us about the legacy you're building and how being shameless plays into your legacy. I think the legacy I'm building is about all women and girls having a voice and feeling courageous enough to really speak up and use it for greater connection on the planet. I love that. Saving saving the world. (laughs) Saving the world. Yeah. All of us. I think we're all in that together. How am I shameless? I want to give less Fs, you know, I'm going to be 40 this year. And (laughs) I really, it's like, this is what I'm here to do. People will judge you no matter what you do or don't do. So showing up and doing what your thing is, is just, I think this is what I learned from having cancer at 23. I'm not willing to do it another way. So I'm just, here it is. (laughs) So good. So good. Okay. Lightning round. Are you ready? Yeah, ready. What is your favorite way to treat yourself? Massage. Nice. Current book that you're reading or the last one you read? Ooh, Big Little Lies and Steering by Starlight. Martha Beck and a juicy novel. Who oh, might remember so who wrote Little Lies? I want to read that Martha Beck book. And I just listened to Liz D'Alto's interview with Martha Beck yesterday, which was phenomenal. So now oh. I'm even more like I need to get some of her books. Good. And I just finished watching Big Little Lies, which also phenomenal. <laughs> oh, so good. I loved the book so much. And then I watched the whole I oh, binge the show. <laughs> so hard to watch. I was like the last episode, I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna throw up. I'm gonna have diarrhea. Like my stomach was in knots. <laughs> I had already read the book, so I was cool. So you I knew, knew how you it was knew. Happen. <laughs> exactly. What is one morning ritual you can't live without? Food. I know maybe that's not a ritual, but I have to eat breakfast. It is. Like that's a good I have one. to eat breakfast. And then after that, I just really love a hot shower. I'm not saving the planet with my hot showers. <laughs> It is my like. You're saving the planet in other ways, so we're all I good. Am, I am, but it's my it's my zen moment. Who's your biggest inspiration? Oof, gosh, how do you choose one? I'm gonna go with my dad on this one. My dad died almost six years ago, and the way he lived his life and the way he died, both were so full of courage and connection, human connection around the world. And so, my dad. Very cool. If you could give all moms one superpower, what would it be, and why? Ooh, compassion and courage. I have to go with two. They need both. Yes. yes. <laughs> Why is because, oh my gosh, we're so damn hard on ourselves. We are so hard on ourselves. So the compassion is mostly for us, like doing the hardest thing that there is to do, which is trying to shepherd human beings into the world as civilized, good people. Yeah. So compassion and then courage just everything we just talked about, like living their lives the way they really want to live their lives, mom or not. Right. The courage right. to show up. Totally. 
I love that. Thank you. Sage, thank you so much for spending time in the Shameless Mom Academy today. It was so fun. I could have gone on and on with every single question. Like I had to totally hold myself back. <laughs> so, you, so you will need to come back so that we can do some more chatting about some of these I would love that. I would love it. It was super fun to get to know you and to talk to you. And I'm really excited to you know be a part of this community further. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll talk soon. Thank you so much for spending time today in the Shameless Mom Academy with Sage and I. If there's anything that you need from links mentioned in the show, please go to shamelessmom.com and click on episode 132 to get links to anything that we mentioned and also just a little recap of this conversation if that would be helpful to you. If this is your first time listening to the Shameless Mom Academy, know that we do produce new episodes every Monday and Wednesday, so do come back for those. You can also go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review, which will drop you right into our iTunes page where you can hit the subscribe button and you will get new episodes as soon as they are released. If you are loving your experience in the Shameless Mom Academy, please join me for the Shameless Mom Mastermind. I am currently building the waitlist for our next mastermind group. We're just getting wrapped up with the first mastermind momentum group, which has been a phenomenal experience. So if you're interested in learning more about the upcoming mastermind that will be this summer, helping mamas build momentum in their life and have some work and transformation over the summer, go ahead and email me at info at shamelessmom.com and I will make sure to add you to the interest list and the waitlist. Thank you for listening. Thank you for spending time with us. I hope you learned a little. I hope you laughed a little. And I hope no matter what you do today, you do it shamelessly. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.